0: Good evening everyone. It is 10:40 p.m. right now on Sunday the 23rd, and I am tired. I actually want to go to sleep, but there's also been some things on my mind that I want to get off my mind, so we're going to do this. This is what I'm going to sound like. <sighs> um let's start with this concept that I've experienced of competing for abuse. So what I mean is competing for who got abused more. So like, maybe I'll say Abuse Olympics. You know, like you're trying to you're trying to compete for who's been abused the most. So throughout my life, there's been many times where I would broach the topic of what my childhood was like. And oftentimes, it would be quite casual. Like, for example, getting to know me or something, someone would ask me about my parents. And back then, before I had decided that I wasn't going to talk about it, here's why i would talk about it and i would just mention oh i don't talk to my dad they would ask why and i'd say you know like oh he was really mean he would hit us stuff like that and more often than not people would jump in at that point and say how bad they had it as a kid like most recently some of the examples i can remember off the top of my head was for example my personal trainer When I told him that my dad was really shitty and I don't have a good relationship with him or I don't have any relationship, he goes, oh yeah, you know, my father almost beat me to death. And then he goes on to talk about it a lot. And he says, again, remember, because he almost beat me to death. I almost died. Like one of the things I notice is they'll repeat often to say it again. Or another example that is not exactly on abuse, but it had to do with having a poor childhood I mentioned to somebody and immediately it was like oh yeah we were poor we were poor we were poor as fuck we were hella poor again going on and on and on and I'm annoyed because I was like okay you just hijacked what I was about to say which was answering your question and now you're hijacking it and making it about yourself again and you're going on and on and on and so I tried to be a bigger person and use this as an opportunity to relate to them. Cause usually when people compete, it can be often subdued when you align forces instead. So, so my attempt was to use this as a bonding, like a, an alignment. So then I tried to relate to her and say, oh, you're on food stamps too. And that's when she's like, oh no, no, I wasn't that poor, but still I was really poor, super poor. So you see, like, again, it's like kind of like this defensive competition. On a more benign level, I worked at the gym recently, and one of my coworkers, workers stupid, dumb young kid, don't like him. He's narcissistic and annoying. And so part of this is just him being stupid and dumb. But it's a good example of what I'm trying to say. I said something, and he is like, oh, well, I'm so glad you told me. I feel so special this is kind of separate, but it's like, why are you making it about yourself? And then he quickly pivots into, well, a lot of people have trauma, everyone has trauma, I have trauma, so much trauma, because Middle Eastern parents. And it's just like, again, hijacking the conversation, making it competitive, and it's annoying because, I mean, what I just said, but it's also hurtful because if you have decided to open up to someone, it can feel very vulnerable, And for them to hijack the conversation, there's an underlying, I had it worse than you tone. It comes from a place of, I've had it worse, so I'm invalidating your feelings. Your grief and pain is not valid because it's not as bad as mine. Mine's valid. That's why we're talking about mine right now. You see why that'd be hurtful? And so you see now why most of my life, I actually didn't really talk about it very rarely because I didn't want to deal with this kind of shit. But over the past six months, as I started to, I don't know, just try not try to hide it, you know? Um, It really came to a head when I had an interaction with somebody who I shall not name, but was from a community that I'm a part of. And I thought we were good friends. That's why I wasn't expecting this. But she comes out and says, well, I think you just haven't forgiven your dad yet. I think that's what it is because for me... I was beaten. I was beaten really, really bad. Like really, really bad. My mom beat me so bad. And I still love my parents. I still love my mom. I still call her, even though she's still very mean to me. But I still love her. Oh God, I have so much to say. The fact that you haven't forgotten your parents is already very, very forward for someone who doesn't know me very well, you know? And within this whole thing, do you see it? She has this air of like, I'm more at peace than you. I've done more work and development than you in this area. Hence, you just haven't forgiven your parents yet. That's why you're running away from them and not talking to them as opposed to me. See, I've really, uh, how do I say? I've really come to peace with it. So I'm a great daughter because I've managed to still love them even though they hurt me and I still call them. I'm a great daughter and I've... Figured it out more than you. So, I'm going to talk about this in another episode, but this is what I mean by that Asian fear. That whole, like, Asians aren't actually close to their families because we want to be. It's this fear embedded into us because of the shit we go through. This whole Asians are close with their family, it's a fear and it's a forced thing. So, this is a perfect example of what I would call Asian Stockholm Syndrome. And you can also tell by her tone, she was competitive. It was disqualifying my feelings. And I, unfortunately, did not feel ready to eviscerate her as much as I wanted to. I do not have a good middle ground for saying things gently. So I would have gone 100% and just blown her to bits. And she's a softie. And I also wasn't ready to potentially burn bridges with the whole community. Because I still wanted people to be my friend. So I did not. I held my tongue. But I'm still angry about it. (laughs) Anyways, in me holding my tongue and not addressing it head on, I kind of needed a way for her to back off. Just like kind of push her away gently. But she kept going. And she kept like encroaching on me if we were to visualize this as a fight. And so it wasn't until I very gently, because I wasn't trying to be blunt about it, just laid out, well, there was a point in time where my dad stopped feeding me. He stopped letting me shower, and he stopped taking me to school. And it was only then that she backed off, because she says, oh, okay, yeah, that is pretty bad, because at least my parents clothed me. See, it's all relative to her experience. She keeps comparing it to herself. It's a fucking competition. And in this round, I happened to win this round, and now we're going to go for the next round. It's a fucking abuse competition. So since I am now fired up, let me address her mentality. She is the one who is not thinking straight. I believe my mentality is very simple. You offer no value in my life, absolutely no value. All you do is just hurt me and bring negativity every time I interact with you. Then there's no reason to have you in my life. It's very, very simple. And that is actually how I avoided Stockholm Syndrome and went on to do the things that I did because had I had this muddled or muddied, muddled? Muddied mentality, I would have felt obligation to stay home. When you're in the foster care system, one of the first things that they're all worried about is that I might blame myself. Fuck no, I didn't blame myself. My dad's an idiot. Very simple. Anyway, back to her. For her to say, you haven't forgiven your parents, because me, look at me, I've been beaten so badly and yet I've forgiven them. I still love them. It's got a couple elements to it. It's got a, I know better than you and I am better than you because I'm more emotionally mature in this aspect versus you, you're just running away from it and haven't dealt with it yet. When in reality, it's quite the opposite. Her mentality is a convoluted result of trying to piece together all sorts of discord feelings within her without having to face the actual feelings. So she's the one who hasn't done the deep work. She's the one who isn't thinking straight. When you look at her whole thing, her whole thing is, okay, she may not hate a strong word. So let's say she resents, or at least doesn't enjoy how her parents treat her. Clearly, she says that herself, and yet she still calls them which she also continues to not enjoy that experience because her mom continues to be rude to her on the phone, but yet she still loves them. And what that is, is her not being able to face the very scary thought, especially in an Asian family, and admittance that I resent my parents. I don't love them. It's a very scary thing, even if you're not Asian, to come out and admit to yourself that there is no love between you and your parents because that's a very fundamental belief we all hold. To break that, that's a very big thing to break, that belief. So her not being able to hold that unsettling feeling within her, instead she creates this convoluted narrative that makes both ends meet somehow. She's able to call them and not enjoy her experience and still go to sleep at night with herself because her solution to all this, bridging it together, is that she's a good daughter she's forgiven them, she's moral high ground, she still calls them and still finds a way to love them within herself because she's a good daughter. And this is also because she has always had a boyfriend turned husband by her side the entire time. So he was always there to play band aid. Like, don't get me wrong. Abuse is hard no matter what. But let's also be honest. If you have someone there to tell you you are beautiful and you are loved and just like make you feel better and hug you each time that's a band-aid and you are going to feel better because you have more of a support system than someone who has absolutely no support system so in her situation she has never had to really sit with her feelings and trauma all alone and deal with the full force of it all because she's always had a coping mechanism someone to assuage her and just pat her on the back and hug her and make her feel better and this band-aid next to her you know what i mean So that's my thoughts on that. But going back to the whole abuse Olympics competition, here's what I think it is. I think that it cannot be understated, the healing power of validation, receiving validation for what you've been through. And I've been thinking about that lately because that's something I've been able to put my finger on in what I want. What I have not received and I feel some sort of void and that void is causing me a lot of angst and jealousy and annoyance whenever I see someone else who's been through less but has such a great support system or is just talking about their experiences, I feel annoyed because I've never been validated and confident, not confidence in the wrong word, um, whole, made whole. I've never felt that validation for my own experiences because I never talk about them. And also because the times I did, you got what I just described. <laughs> and so I it makes me mm, angry and competitive and angsty. And I think it's the same exact thing they're doing. Because imagine, it means you're coming from a non-abundant emotional place. I'll give you an example. If somebody gets a promotion and you don't feel like you are being paid what you deserve and you deserve a promotion of your own, you're not gonna be happy for them. You're gonna get all defense mode, right? Versus if you do feel like you're in a good place, then yeah, you have the abundance to have sympathy and empathy to be happy for them. It's the same reverse situation here, right? And I wanna point out too, remember how I mentioned they would always repeat these things several times in a conversation. People repeat things when they feel like they haven't been heard because they need that validation. So I really do believe it's the same thing, except they clearly haven't put their finger on it. And that's why they're kind of acting out, lashing out in a conversation, as opposed to me realizing it in my own quiet and thinking, okay, I need to deal with this. I do think they are still being dicks and they need to grow the fuck up and handle their emotions. I do get that because I also feel like even abuse aside, in normal conversation etiquette, if somebody is opening up or telling you something kind of not happy, like not fun kind of serious. it is a dick move to bring it about yourself. You just don't hijack the conversation. There's also just no logical purpose to do it unless of course, again, going deeper, you actually need that validation. So I guess the point of me saying all this is A, a realization on why people are like that. I feel a little better knowing that. Um, And B, I would guess if you listening have that abundance in your life and you know somebody who does that, maybe, maybe they just need some more validation. And if you have that abundance in your refrigerator, sure, it might might be nice for you to spare it for them. You don't have to. Because I also understand that there are people who are just whiny bitches and fuck those people. Fuck those people acting like victims. I can't stand them. So I think what I'm trying to say here is, I think I figured something out. Do what you will with it. That is all. (laughs) Bye.